Questionable Material with Jack and Brian is brought to you by Junkbox. Every month, you'll get a box filled with stuff that didn't sell elsewhere. Sign up now at junkbox.com. And also by Wee Wee Pads, the dog training aid that confuses dogs by teaching them that it's okay to pee inside the house. You are listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com. Astrologer. Hi, uh, I was wondering um, what my future holds. Well, uh, why don't you tell me where you were born? I, well, I was born on a naval base in Norfolk, Virginia. Naval base in Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, and what day? Well, wouldn't you? October 3rd, 1974. October 3rd, 1974. Naval base in Norfolk, Virginia. Well, that's, we know that's a VA, right? Yes, that's in Virginia. Yes, VA. VA. So Virginia starts with a V. Now, what else starts with a V? Uh, uh, Vegetables. Venus. Oh. Yeah. So Venus starts with a V. Virginia starts with a V. So you're doing the math here. You're seeing what I'm seeing. I was born under the sign of Venus. You don't like when people poke you with sharp things. Is that true? Is that, would you say that you agree to that? Yeah, I agree to that. That's kind of a personality trait of yours? I mean, it's a thing that people don't like. Sure. All right. Imagine uh, somebody comes up uh, on the street, a total stranger to you, Mm -hmm. brandishing a machete, very threatening, kind of in your face with a machete. You don't like that, do you? No. Yeah, that's a very Venetian thing. Venetian? Yes. And that's because, yeah, and that's definitely because mathematically, you're in Virginia. Venus starts with a V. And it's very far away. And it was probably over in that direction. So looking at my charts here, I can tell a lot about you. I can kind of almost predict your future. I mean, there are variables that change all the time. Okay. Well, the future thing that I would like to know most about is uh, how are things going to end with me and my wife? Are we going to stay together forever or are we going to split apart? Well, that's a good question. Now, when was your wife born? Uh, November of 1978. November N. Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean? Think of a planet that she, starts with an N. Uh, ne- uh, Neptune. Neptune. That's right. Neptune starts with an N. So Neptune is a god, right? Sure. And he has a trident, doesn't he? Yep. And a trident has three points on it. That's why it's called a trident, right? Yeah, of course. So he's got three points. So are you her first husband? Yes. Okay. So the trident has three points. What does that tell you? She's going to have three major husbands in her life. Three major husbands in her life. You're the first one. There are two more she's going to spear with her trident. And then she'll hold up the trident in the air with the three flailing bodies on it. And she'll declare victory. And that's a very Neptunian thing. Okay. And how many wives will I spear? How many wives will you spear? Well, let's see. You are a Venusian, right? So Uh what happens to, let's say... Uh, a spacecraft that we send to Venus and it lands on the surface. What happens? Uh, it sends back images from the planet for about four minutes until it melts. It's incredibly hot on Venus. Right. So what that tells me is your next wife will be incredibly hot. Yes. 
but she'll also be 45 million miles away, <laughs> which presents a logistical challenge. Do you have a spaceship? I, I don't, but I mean, I love super hot women. Yeah. I, who doesn't except, you know, gay guys and women haters. Yeah, I guess so. I thank you for covering all your bases, but go on. So, okay. Let's imagine you want to travel and see this very hot woman. She's 45 million miles away. That's a, there's another problem there. When you arrive, you don't want to burst into flames, do you? Not really, not before I get a chance to consummate our marriage. That's right. So what you need to do is to trick this Venusian woman to come to the United States. Okay. To trick her. Yes. And how do you do that? I don't know. You tell her the borders are open on the South. There's no, in space, there's no South. Yeah, I know, but they'll figure it out. They're smart, especially if they have spaceships. Okay, all right. And Venusians, don't forget, Venusians, especially the ones who were born in Echo, which is the, yeah. the month of Echo, it's, a, it's the third month of their Venusian year. Now, okay. Echo starts with an E and so does Earth. So if you do the math, clearly, mathematically, it makes a lot of scientific sense that they would be very intelligent. And also, they don't like being pelted with rocks. Okay. No, scientifically, all of this makes a ton of sense. Mike, uh, okay. Why can't she just land? If she's coming on a spaceship, why does she have to land on the other side of the Mexican border and then walk across the border? Couldn't she just land in my backyard? That is a Venusian question. And that's, that's a, I anticipated you asking that question. Great. And so you must have uh, come up with an answer by now. I have an answer. What's the answer? The answer is, I got another call. You hang up first. No, no, I want to answer the question. This isn't, that's not a cute game. I'm not going to hang up first. I miss you too. That's not what I said. You hang up. So, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah, it seems like you're coming to me from, it, it seems like every time I see you on, because uh, we do our podcast on a video chat. So that's Brian right. We, see each other. Yeah. It seems like your surroundings change. Almost every time I see you now, you, you want to tell people what's going on uh, there at your place? I am building uh, a set. You're building a set. I'm building a on. podcast set. I built a podcast desk, Jack. Okay. And the desk even has a carpeted top. Do you know why? Um, probably for sound. Okay. You stole my thunder, Jack. <laughs> Well, don't, we, don't ask me the question. I I am in the industry in some way. I, I'm probably going to get that one right. I'd like you to pretend that you didn't know. Okay. Do, all right. Ask again. Do you know why the top of my desk has carpet on it, Jack? Um. So when the kids come over to play, they can have a soft landing spot. Okay. Boo. You stole my thunder again. <laughs> I have a background. Uh -huh, I noticed. I, I'm experimenting with backgrounds. Okay. You know how, like, when you're in the gym locker room, you start experimenting? What? And that here you just start experimenting with backgrounds. So I have a wood one, and I uh -huh. have a brick one, uh -huh. and there's even a spaceship one. I didn't buy that one, but it made me think of Andrew Heaton. What did? <laughs> so, does, so does fooling around in the gym. It makes me think of Andrew Heaton as well. That's right. Well, I know you guys are very attracted to one another. We are. He's a, he's a very well-put-together man. Very well-groomed. Very well groomed, very very well groomed, and and I believe, ladies, single. Ooh, yeah. So now, now, uh, so what sort of experiment? Like, what was your gym locker room experience? Like, where did you go to school and what did you do? Uh, I went to St. Milton's. 
Okay. Which was a non-religious academy named after a saint. Strange, strange choice. That, that's why I chose it. That, and it was very close to my father's place of work, which was, so it was the only place he was willing to take me. Okay. Because it was a, a much better school that it was much more appropriate for, that mm -hmm. I would have been, had it really thrived at. But St. Milton's was literally next door to my dad's office building. He's like, I can just drop you off. Okay. So I went to St. Milton's. Well, that doesn't sound like the best um, path for your education. It's not. Cause I mean, it was, it was kind of a, they have a limited scope of education. St. Milton was a, a non-Catholic saint who was very opposed to children learning. <laughs> <laughs> he liked to keep them in the dark as much as possible. Uh-huh. Uh, his, his answer to most questions was who knows. <laughs> That was the school motto. Yeah. And that, yeah, that was, it was in Latin <laughs> and it's, but it's in, and so nobody even knows what that is because they don't teach you Latin at St. Milton's. Wow. <laughs> but it does, it does translate to who knows. So, so what do they teach? You know, talk, talk to us about your, your experience sort of growing up at the school, you know, your, your school experience. What were classes like at a school like that? Well, there was a very good teacher to student ratio. Uh-huh. Oh, what was that? One to one. <laughs> Man, your dad didn't do much research on this, did he? No, he, he, I mean, it was more about convenience and yeah. it wasn't really about the academics or anything like that. So it was just, it was just you and your teacher. Yeah. Okay. How'd that go? What was, um, what was social life like there at school? Well, there wasn't a lot of it. Uh, there were mm -hmm. small classes, obviously. So there was none of that old, you know, you might be used to having friends in class and, and looking over and making faces and sending notes and things like that. We didn't really sure. have any of that because it was just me and the teacher and they're just staring at you the entire time. God. They're, they just stare at you the whole time? Yeah. And you're sharing a desk. So it's like you're li they're literally on the other side of the desk, just staring. It's almost like an interrogation. And in fact, <laughs> on the times when I was arrested and interrogated, it felt very similar to being back in St. Milton's. So you must have been well prepared for it. I knew what to do. And I knew that there were probably cameras on me. So when the teacher left the room, don't admit to anything. Right. And if you were See? playing insane to try to get off for that reason, you know, don't give up that act. When the uh, teacher leaves the room, you got to maintain it because they're watching. Of course. Did you used to play insane a lot at school? You know, just to get out of certain things. Like? Band. <laughs> so you would, to avoid uh, playing in the band, you would pretend to be, um, uh, uh, clinically insane. Yeah. They wanted me to play an instrument. Uh, they gave me a whole choice and even said, you know, if you just want to bang on the, the, the timpani or whatever, we can just do that. Mm -hmm. And even that I just didn't want to do. I really didn't want to do band. So what I did was I would come into school and I would take out dead mice <laughs> and I would just kind of nibble on them mm -hmm. just to kind of set people off, make them think there was something wrong with me. Yeah. It worked. Gosh. Yeah, I bet it did. I bet it did. And um, and so, so, but you literally for the band, you could have just uh, walked around banging on a wash tub. Yeah, that was one of the options, wash tub. Okay. I just, I didn't want to do it. I don't like rhythm. I don't like music. I don't like beats. I, I don't like hearing other people playing things. I don't for like sure. seeing people who are better at, at music than I am because they were willing to put the time and energy into, into playing instruments. That's right. why it makes me very angry when I see guitar solos. I'll get very flustered and leave the room. 
you have, you have a lot of guitar solos in your uh, circle in your and, life. You know, every once in a while you'll be at a Walmart and you'll be, you know, heading down the sporting goods aisle. And then there's some guy at the end of doing a guitar solo. And that's when I 180 right out of the Walmart. I don't even say goodbye to the greeter. Wow. This is amazing. What was, um, so for like social life, you know, for like school dances or the prom, like, you know, who, who, how did you date and who did you take to like events like that? Whoever. It really didn't matter. And I don't like to say that I was desperate, but it would just be like whoever even made the slightest bit of eye contact with me. Cause if you think about it, I'm spending most of my day sitting at a desk, staring across from my teacher. So, you know, at any moment when somebody my age made eye contact with me, they became my best friend, my love interest, you name it. I wanted them in my life. And I made that very clear from the get-go. I'd stop gnawing on the mouse. And I would let them know that that you they were somebody I wanted to be in my life. Okay. What what about the St. Milton sports teams? I mean, did you even have enough players to field a team? Uh, they they were called the St. Milton Show Ups. <laughs> so it's basically whoever came to the sporting event was on the team. Ooh. And it was considered varsity, junior varsity. It didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But we'd do soccer ball or baseball or you know any other main sports. I like right. javelin. Mm-hmm. Cause I would pretend that I was Roman mm-hmm. and then I'd start throwing the javelin as if I was being attacked. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine someone with your, um, uh, uh, questionable mental past would be given a javelin. Yeah. Well, it was something that there were a bunch of different conferences held about, uh, without <laughs> me present. Uh, but they determined that it was in their best interest to let me have the javelin. Okay. Mainly because my aim was bad. Mm-hmm. And though I tried really hard to hit my friends and colleagues and teammates and referees, I was not particularly accurate. Except for, uh, what's his name? One-eyed Bill. <laughs> you, you, you got him. I got him. Wow. Okay. Well, it sounds like a really interesting school experience, Brian. You know, it was seven years of my life and it's behind me now. Seven years. And that was a, a high school. It was a high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you graduated at what, what age? I was 22. Okay. <laughs> 22 when you graduated high school. Um, Special hmm, high school. Boy. Special high school. So, you know, what, what is life like as you're, as you're completing, um, as you're completing your education at a place where you're probably getting as uh, close to as old as the teachers? Um, well, it's weird. I mean, you know, you start off as a freshman. All right. And you're kind of scared of your teacher. Yeah. Cause he's bigger. Yep. And then the next year you're super fresh yep. and, and, and the, you know, and you see the teacher and you're getting a little bit bigger and then you're sophomore and then you're sophomore plus mm-hmm. and then you're junior <laughs> and then you're mega junior. And then, but before you know it, like you, you're almost, you know, on the same eye level with the, your teacher yeah, and physically you feel like you might be able to take them. Yeah, of course. And it's then that you can propose trial by combat. They have trial by combat at your school? Yeah, it's how they do the grading system. So until you can defeat your teacher, the teacher is free to give you grades that they feel are appropriate. But the moment you can subdue them physically or mentally in some cases, uh, then you are entitled to pick your own grades. I guess that would make sense at a school so opposed to learning. Yeah. How, like, what would like a, 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 like, let's say a social studies class be like? Social studies? Yeah, for example. Well, or Spanish class. Pick pick one class and really walk us through what a curriculum would be at a school for non-learning. Okay. 
so Spanish class, I recall vividly because I had met a, a Spanish woman and okay. I, oh. I wanted very much to learn Spanish. And so I took mm -hmm. Spanish as elective, uh, an elective. And so my first Spanish class, I sat down and the teacher was uh, Madame Fontainebleau. <laughs> and she sat across from me at the desk and, and was just looking at me. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you going to teach me Spanish? And she started speaking French. <laughs> and then it was when I realized that she didn't know Spanish. Mm -hmm. But the school had placed her in charge of it. Yeah. For the challenge. For the challenge for you both to maybe get, dig your way out of this hole together. It's called confusing immersion. And it's, oh, so heard. it's a method of teaching where the teacher doesn't know what they're doing. The student has no idea what's going on. And from that chaos you hope to produce fluency. Right, 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 right. And, and didn't, didn't your school, um, isn't, isn't your school where uh, critical race theory originated from? It is definitely one of the places. Yep. They, uh, mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was actually something I proposed. Was it? No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was like, listen, uh, I have this uh, toxic and divisive idea that I think would be great to teach to kids. Right. And they, they ate that up. Of course they would at that school. Yeah. And I, yeah. So that, I mean, that, uh, it was something, and there's a picture of me actually on the wall at the school mm -hmm. and, uh, and it just underneath it says my name. It said, he done founded this stuff. <laughs> and I'm very proud of it. You would think it would have just stayed at that, at that horrible school, but, but like a, a lab in Wuhan it appeared to have leaked out. It leaked out. So what we did was you know, a lot of St. Milton graduates went off to different universities I and, doubt then, that. and then kind of like a bacteria or like a virus, it just spreads. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yes. This all started with talking about carpeting on your, on your damn table. That's right. I got, you know why I have carpeting? <laughs> hey, Brian. Yeah, Jack. Aroo. Hey. Uh, so I was thinking maybe. After that unexpected detour, uh, we would begin the bit that I had intended to begin <laughs> previously. I would love to begin a bit that you intended to begin previously. Oh, wonderful. That's lucky for me. Now, I know you're an expert um, yeah, in, in celebrity. Um, you know, I, I know you've, you've also worked at a private eye. You have all sorts of skills that really sort of make you an expert at finding people and knowing where people are and know what they're doing. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I, I have been called a skip tracer by many people. Yeah. I'm a, a somebody who can locate. You try to disappear on me and I will rip your head off and poop down your throat. Good, good Lord. That's an inappropriate thing for a skip tracer to do. Just, just find the man. Or that's what the, the logo company said the same thing. <laughs> they wouldn't put that on my stickers. Wow. But you, you went all the way to the logo uh, st stage of this. Yeah. And I drew it myself and I thought it was pretty good representation of what I would do to you if you tried to hide. <laughs> so, so, so you drew, you drew the decapitated head and you sort of squatting over it. Yeah. It's wow. me over like the headless torso, just kind of squatting. And I did a, like a really menacing grimace. Yep which it was really hard to capture. I had to grimace in the mirror for quite some time and I'm not a particularly good illustrator, but I thought I pulled it off quite good. And you, you wound up repurposing that image for another one of your businesses though, right? Yes. Which business is that? A Barney's Bagels. Mm -hmm. It's just a local bagel shop. You know, we do water boiled bagels. We don't bake them. Mm -hmm. And if you don't like them, we will 
rip <laughs> off your head and shit down your throat. That doesn't seem to capture the small town um, charm that I usually look for in my, in my uh, local restaurants. And probably the reason we did not win the small town charm award 12 years in a row, but I got a logo that people talk about. I bet they do. I, everyone knows Barney's bagels. And the best everything bagels you've ever had. I bet I would love to try some. I would love to have you try some at full cost. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Okay. Anyway. So I was thinking we could use your unique skill set to, to talk about where some, some famous people are. Do a little game of where are they now? Yeah. Watton. Watton. Let's play a game of Watton. Okay. So um, yeah, we'll start easy. These are mostly just different celebrities, various walks of life who've sort of fallen off the map. And I know you're going to know where the, right where they are. Yeah. So we'll start with an easy one. Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. One of the most um, iconic, like pure Hollywood um, stars of all time. Uh, you know, a, a fixture at Laker games, courtside, a fixture at the front row of the Academy Awards. Every year you could count on Jack just grinning up at you in the front row, no matter what. Yeah. But then about six years ago, seven years, he's like, he's just wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And it's been years and years since we've seen him. But I was wondering if you could tell us uh, where Jack Nicholson is now. I can, I do. Uh, so he, you know, he, yeah, he was huge. Um, big Hollywood star and one of those lucky Hollywood stars who basically gets to play himself. Yeah. So that's yeah. the, I mean, there's not even a stretch. You're just playing yourself. And there are very few actors who have that luxury of mm -hmm. just playing their own selves, but he's one of them. And, uh, you know, he, he was kind of a ladies man. He was a partier. He's got a reputation for, yes. for having fun. Mm -hmm. Um, he's gotten older and, you know, things have caught up with him. That lifestyle has caught up with him and he okay. kind of mellowed out. Oh, interesting. And so he bought, uh, he bought a house, uh, and he was just kind of he, he, doing his own thing and he kind of like a tinkerer and he liked to do plumbing hmm. and he, uh, was you know, basically self-taught. And so in his house, he thought he'd save money, not use a plumber. He doesn't need a plumber. He's going to do it himself. And so he was replacing a water boiler. Okay. In his house and a you know, large house, large water boiler. And he was doing it himself as he likes to do. That's just kind of like his little hobby. And the water boiler slipped and, and he he's pinned under it. And so what I do is I pop in there every three or four days. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to see how he's doing. He continues to tell me, please help him. He's pinned and I'll give him food and I'll give him water. Uh, and then I'll wish him luck. And I say, I'll definitely, I will be back. So every three or four days, you stop by to water and feed Jack Nichols. Yes. And he's just, he's just trapped. He's got a, a water boiler pinning him down. He's pinned on, his legs are pinned. He can't do anything. He's kind of in a, he sits upright and sleeps upright and eats upright. Uh, but his legs are pinned under the water boiler. And, and it's funny because, you know, to hear him in his, in that classic Jack Nicholson voice yeah. say like, why are you doing this to me? Please remove this boiler. Help me call it, call the ambulance, call somebody. Why are you doing this? To hear it in that classic voice is just so cool. It's so, you know, it's just jarring because you're like, here, this is the guy who was in all these movies. And here's the yeah. same guy with the same voice uh, just begging me for help. Oh God, it's got to give you chills. It does. I, I keep recording it. I have like a bunch of different recordings of it. How long has this been going on for? Four years. Oh boy. 
He must, <laughs> he must be quite thin at this point. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it depends what I feed him. I, I always feed him enough, mm-hmm. but I always get the sense it's not, you know, as much as he would like. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, you know, his, he doesn't, he lacks the, most of his muscles have atrophied. Yeah, I, I bet. So he's, you know, he's really incapable of, both. of barely doing anything. Right. Of course. <laughs> Where are they now? Yeah, it's kind Brian, of, this is fun. It's sad to see a legend like that just kind of fade. Well, it's sad when they let themselves go like that. Yep. Like, like do, do the work, man. Like you're, you're just, you can't just rely on being famous all the time. Yeah. Not to mention sitting in a puddle of water for four years. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine so. Um, uh, speaking of which, uh, you know, one of the iconic figures of the mid '90s was associated with the uh, O.J. Simpson um, uh, attempt, uh, alleged murder. You know, I, of course, I don't think he did it, but um, Cato Kalin, Cato, famous uh, couch crasher, crashing at O.J.'s. Uh, you know, be, certainly became a, a pop culture uh, icon for a couple of years there. But man, it's, I feel like it's been 20 years since I've seen or heard from that guy. What's Cato Kalin doing uh, nowadays? Where is he now? Well, uh, Cato, uh, as we call him in the sure. um, in the murderer friend business, uh, is uh, he's a, he runs an Airbnb. Oh, and so he's turned his oh. apartment into an Airbnb. OK. Uh, and he sleeps on the sofa. <laughs> And, uh, and he's, you know, he gets, he has really good reviews cause he's a super chill, super friendly guy. Yep. And you see most of the reviews, a little people, some people are taken aback. They're like, oh yeah, you know, my boyfriend and I rented this place. We thought it would be a nice romantic getaway. We didn't expect Cato Kalin to be on the sofa, but he grew on us. Oh. And so there are a lot of stories like that. Um, and you know, he's, he's just, he, he is addicted obviously to living on sofas. <laughs> And this is the way Obviously. he can do it. He can afford to do this. Uh, the, you know, it's his living. It's his way of, of getting through of, of, you know, this is his career. Yeah. Well, I guess so. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's some people I think would, would find it to be neat that they have Cato on their couch and other people again. Yeah. When you want to make love to your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or spouse, then um, I could see it being a little bit difficult. You know, there's something about sleeping on a couch um, mm-hmm. that some people just love. You can ask Phil Hartman. I I can't ask Phil Hartman. No, no. Why then don't? Yeah, no. It's it's not it's not me being stubborn. I I well maybe Google it later. Okay, I don't want to bring the podcast down. Okay, but yeah, Cato Kalen. Yeah, that's fun. Yep, fun info, Brian. Thanks. Thank um, you. Thank you, Jeff, uh, for having me. You're welcome. Bit's not over, and it's your podcast, right? Uh, but anyway, um. Here's here's someone I wanted to ask you about. Uh, he was in the news for quite a while, and um, and used to be on our TVs pretty much every day. You couldn't you couldn't watch TV for a stretch of time without seeing this guy every single day. Of course, I'm talking about Jared Fogle. Jared Fogle. Yeah, you know, I feel like I haven't caught up with him in a while. What what what's he up to these days? Uh, well, um, he you know, he he wanted out of the limelight. Uh huh. He you know it was too much. You know, some people can handle fame, some people can't. Yeah. Well said. It's, it's not, uh, it's not for everyone. Yep. And he decided it wasn't for him. Um, so he started a nursery called Jared's (laughs) place. Okay. And it's a place you take your kids, you drop them off Mm -hmm. and you leave them 
and you can leave them as long as you want and it's free. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And it's out of the goodness of his own heart. Wow. That's uh you know, you don't you don't find many um many people who who think about others like that. No, he's very giving. He loves to give. Well, and that's and and so he's um you can just drop your kids off and and you could leave them for like a all all day all, how long a day care night care week care it doesn't matter it's wide open he says that as you pull up <laughs> really yeah huh that's that's so funny um okay well gosh um. You know, good. Well, you know, good for him. Good for giving back to the community. Yeah. I, I forget what 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 he disappeared. Uh, what made him sort of go away? But um, yeah, good for him. Yep, that's what I say every time. Oh, you drive your kids off there a lot. I mean, they my really? kids are old enough to to fight back now, so they won't go. But when I had more, uh -huh. you know, physical strength over them, it was much easier to drop them off. Nowadays, you know, I'm, it's like a boxing match in the front of the car, and I can't be doing that on the highway. Yeah. I mean, your kids are 16 and what, 13? Yeah. 14. 16 and 14. Yeah. What, what, why don't they, don't they like camp? Uh, that's what I keep asking them. I call them, I call them, you know, they I say, you're ungrateful. You don't appreciate it. You know, lots of kids would love this opportunity. Of course. Um, you know, you, you didn't want to go to Michael Jackson's house. You don't want to go here. I, I'm, I just uh -huh. don't know what to do with you two. <sighs> okay. Well, good, good for you, Brian. Good, good for being a good parent. Thank you. Remember the band Hanson? Of course. Mm -bop. Of course you do. Mm -bop. Mm -bop. You, if you recall, you, uh, you've, you've uh, visited my house. I have. And in the living room, we have that huge mural. Just mm bop. Yes. <laughs> right. And it's all it's right, a, in tile and it's just lovely. It really is nice. I, you, it's, it's amazing how much you guys love Hanson. Yeah. Huge fan. Huge fans. Well, so obviously you know where Hanson is. Yes. What are they up to? I'm sure, I'm sure they're, I'll say fans uh, uh, would love to know. Yeah. Well, uh, they run a diamond mine <laughs> in Namibia. No kidding. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they took their proceeds and they said, well, how do we grow this money that we have? And, you know, I don't think any more money is going to be coming down the, the recording pipeline. Smart. And so they took that money and they said, well, what are we good at? It's like, well, there's a bunch of us, right? We all have two <laughs> hands and those yeah. hands can hold pickaxes. Yep. So what does that tell you? And the dumber Hanson said coal, <laughs> but the smarter Hanson said diamonds. Right. And they said, okay, where do we find diamonds? And the dumber Hanson said Minecraft. And the smarter Hanson said Namibia. Mm hmm Okay. And- they said, well, how do we get to Namibia? The, the dumber Hansen said, let's walk. The smarter Hansen let's, said, let's take a flight from uh, JFK to Dubai, uh, then down to Cape Town, and then from Cape Town uh, to Namibia. That's a smart Hansen. Yeah, he is a smart, he's a good Hansen. <laughs> uh, and, and that's where they are these days. And, you know, they, they wake up early in the morning, they grab their pickaxes, they mm -hmm. clamber on down their hole. They call it, there's a, a funny sign above it. It says Hanson Industries, mm, uh -huh. you know, mm, deep. <laughs> and, and then they just go down the hole there and they, they spend their day in the dark. And if you thought they were white before, 
after being in the dark for years in a mine and only coming out at sunset. I mean, these guys, it's, it's like a giant snowstorm when they walk by you. It's hard to see. They reflect all of the sun, like almost 100% of it. They're like blinding. So there's the dumb hands and the smart hands. And then what's the middle one? The middle one is narcoleptic. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Which is why he, he's always literally, as they go down the mine shaft, he's always has to be in the middle. Uh-huh. Because if he does happen to fall asleep as he's climbing down the mine, uh, one of them can grab him or stop his fall. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I assume would be the smarter Hanson. The smarter him, yeah, usually the dumber Hanson doesn't know what's falling on top of him. <laughs> Every time he says, you know, the cave is collapsing, the cave is collapsing. Yeah, it's just his older brother falling asleep again. Wow. Boy. Middle Hanson. Middle Hanson. Jack. Yes, Brian. There is money in obituaries. <laughs> That's a strange statement. What, what are you talking about? You know, the, 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 uh, uh, the obituary business has caught on to podcasting. Uh, they see a market there uh, and they are willing to pay podcasters for reading obituaries on their show. The only thing mm -hmm. is you need gravitas. You need to take it yep. seriously. It's a sad thing. Of course, someone has died. So, well, we have some obituaries that were sent to us. Uh, they would like you to read them. And uh, so I'm going to send you one now. Okay. And remember, in the obituary business, it's all about reading it right away. And you don't want to kind of proofread. You don't want to get to know what you're reading. You need to get this uh, obituary out there. Okay. So they, they, I guess they just want sort of like the raw emotion of it? They want the raw emotion of the, yes, exactly. Okay. So I sent it to you. But okay. So uh, as soon as you get it, please just, you know, honor this person. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I'd hate to mess up. What would happen if I mess up? Uh, we don't get paid. Oh, man. Okay. <clears throat> okay, I'm ready. I just, I just opened it. Do I begin now? Please do. Okay. Kevin Durkee died May 8 at his home in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was 89. Durkee was longtime head of the air-to-ground missile development unit at Rayathon. He was responsible for development of the Paveway Bomb, uh, Stormbreaker smart weapon, and the AWS-1 Afghan wedding-seeking missile. While somewhat controversial, the Afghan wedding-seeking missile was remarkably effective, dispatching Afghan wedding celebrations <laughs> with incredible efficiency. The specially designed warhead was capable of penetrating deep into wedding halls <laughs> and rural mud-roofed residences prior to detonating, maximizing the number of wedding guests <laughs> neutralized in the engagement. The warhead's top-secret design included the ability to hone in on wedding cakes. <laughs> Durkee told 60 Minutes correspondent Leslie Stahl that the idea for the AWS-1 came to him after racking up massive legal fees during a third bitter divorce. His ex, Barbara, fought him tooth and nail on everything, eventually getting the house, both cars, and custody of their bloodhounds, Mopey and Cher. I, quote, I was sitting at a bar feeling sorry for myself, and it occurred to me that if I could prevent just one marriage, I would be doing far more good for a culture than trying to force democratic ideals upon them. End quote. Durkee explained uh, his idea to stunned bar patrons by smashing his fist into a bowl of peanuts. Durkee will be cremated on Saturday and have his ashes scattered all over Barbara's rug because she hates vacuuming. All right. <clears throat> uh, we're not going to get paid for that one. 
obviously. I, I mean, I'm sorry. That's just crazy. He's such a hateful son of a gun. I, you know, I mean, he's uh, he's a smart guy. He knows how to develop smart, fancy things, doesn't he? Yeah, when well, he worked at Raytheon. Yeah. Uh, well, See, I, yeah, I, I, it's all right. I almost stumbled on the word Raytheon because I don't have a chance to read these. I don't know what's coming. It's unfortunate, but uh, we've got, there's another obituary. It's on its way through the internet coming to you now. So okay. if I'm you could, sorry to Kevin's family, it's fine. Just please give us gravitas. It's sad. Okay. It's serious. Thank you. Okay. All right. Re- read it Here as soon go. as you get it. Okay. I've opened it. I'm reading it now. Here we go. Evan Mayberry Jr. Passed away on Monday at St. Luke's hospital. He was 98. As a musician in the 1950s, Mayberry set a new precedent for recording artists who couldn't pronounce words. In Mayberry's case, that disability was the result of a childhood spent getting punched in the face an overwhelming number of times. Despite the obstacles that that toothlessness presented for singers, Mayberry said that his missing lots of teeth was a badge of honor and he refused any and all dental work. At the time, being unable to pronounce words was a severe barrier to entry for aspiring musicians. Numerous acts tried and failed to break through, including Tongueless Tim and the Monotones, Shrieky D and Zhang Wu, who literally stepped off the boat from Shanghai and grabbed a microphone. (laughs) However, Mayberry's persistence was legendary, and in 1958, he achieved success with his first Billboard 100 single, See You on Saturday. That was soon followed by other songs that charted, including Myth You So Must and Sorry to Disappoint You. His cover of Santa Claus is Coming to Town reached 37th. (laughs) Mayberry retired from performing in the late 70s and bought an avocado farm in California. He and his wife, Mallory, raised four children, Cindy, Stuart, Christopher, and Michael. (laughs) Mayberry's persistence and subsequent success blazed the trail for future uh, enunciation challenge artists, including Bob Dylan and Cardi B. He will be mythed. (sighs) Sometimes it feels like I'm set up to fail in these. These are just obits, Jack, and we're just trying to make some money. And just sent you another one. Okay, I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to I'm sorry for their loss. It, he seemed like a wonderful man, a pioneer. It sounds like he and his wife had a great relationship, wonderful family, wonderful. I'm sorry for their loss. Okay. All right, but it's too late. You know, you had your chance to honor his memory, and you kind of you skip the gravitas part. That's that's what hurts. It's okay. Okay. Another right. chance. I Okay, I just got the third one. I'm opening it up. Here we go. You ready? Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm going to nail this one. Gravitas. Here we go. Gravitas. Conway Michaels, 23, was summoned home to be with the Angels on Friday after accidentally entering the home of Darren Gundry. Conway loved his girlfriend, Nicole, and his dog, Pansy. He loved football and motocross and getting liquored up to the point where his brain could no longer form memories. Late Friday night, after meeting with friends and drinking many gallons of beer, Conway was reminded of how much he loved Nicole and wanted to be with her as soon as possible. He bid his friends farewell and staggered out of Stumpy's Tavern, eager to proclaim to Nicole his undying love. While making his way home, nature called and Conway decided that 1833 Mill Street was a bathroom. 
Upon discovering that what he thought was the bathroom door was locked, he attempted to enter what he thought was the bathroom through the window. After several attempts, he achieved success and entered the premises. It was at this time that the homeowner, Darren Gundry, placed enough pressure on his Remington shotgun's trigger so as to cause the weapon to issue forth a slug at such velocity as to relocate Conway's left lung to several locations on the window behind him. At this moment, the angels were summoned and Conway departed this earth to begin his new eternal life somewhere other than Madison, Oklahoma. A memorial session with friends and family will be held at Stumpy's. Out of respect to the deceased, please do not hit on Nicole yet. <laughs> the, you know, I wanted to do the writing credit because the writing in that was so be- specific. I, I want to say beautiful, but maybe not beautiful, but specific. Like they really told the story of what happened to him in greater detail than I think I've ever experienced. Yeah, some obituaries are very well done. That was a good one. It's unfortunate we don't get paid for it, but another one's coming. Man, four. You can do it. <clears throat> you can do this. I know you can do this. Oh God, that lung thing was, that was difficult. Man. That's, yeah, that's got to hurt. <laughs> it's it's got to Don't mistake somebody's house for a bathroom. Yeah, Just, that's, you know, that's a good lesson. I, especially I in, uh, in right. home is your castle uh, states. Yeah, exactly right. Um, okay, I'm ready. I just opened it. All right, then. Okay. Annabelle McKinley, 50, of Tyson's Grove, died on Saturday after a hard fall. A lifelong Tyson's Grove resident and owner of a local dog grooming business, Annabelle was known to most residents of the town. She still lived in her childhood home, not far from Klein Airport. Every Saturday, Annabelle would watch from her back porch as planes from the Tyson's Grove Skydiving Club took off. Annabelle would cackle with glee watching the parachutists leap from their planes and slowly descend from the clouds. I'm going to do that someday, she would tell friends and neighbors. Someday that will be me up there. (laughs) (laughs) You you triggered me. It's the second time I've completely broken. You do this to me. <clears throat> On the occasion of her 50th birthday, Annabelle booked her introductory parachuting session. As a first timer, she would be jumping tandem with Edgar Weissman, a seasoned parachutist and childhood friend. In the hours prior to her jump, she notified friends and family to, to look up in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> to look up in the sky and be ready for a big surprise. (laughs) Be ready for a big surprise at noon. Video from Weiss's GoPro camera shows an excited Annabelle experiencing the greatest thrill of her life. She appears absolutely fearless, laughing as they leap from the plane. Her smile went from ear to ear and only dissipated when Edgar's shoddy harness made in China and purchased on Amazon tore and separated. At the 52 second mark of the video, Annabelle's expression changes from sheer glee to abject terror. The footage of desperate Edgar Weiss attempting to grab a hold of Annabelle is compelling and heart-wrenching and unfortunately was uploaded to YouTube. 
As Annabelle slips from his grasp and to her doom, her shrieking will... <laughs> her shrieking will be seared into the memories of her friends and family for all eternity. Although grateful to have been present well when Annabelle was called home to the Lord, 93% of Tyson's Grove residents <laughs> now suffer from PTSD. A memorial service will be held as soon as she is found. <laughs> Ed Milton thinks she's somewhere in Hillsdale Forest. <laughs> <clears throat> Ed Milton is he the guy from the uh, Milton School? Could be. Uh, I'm not supposed to find this funny. It's 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 tragic. Yeah, that's <laughs> both of us for that's, once. The problem is the watching your face on this on the screen. That's the problem. Yeah. So when I didn't have when we didn't have this video thing, much easier to to uh, not lose it. That's right. We've started recording these on video and uploading them to YouTube, yeah. much as people did with Annabelle's death. And so you can find our videos online as a, as a different way to enjoy uh, the questionable material podcast. Some, some of our, our uh, highlights of our episodes. Well, not getting paid for these obits. No, because we both blew that one. We blew that last one for sure. Good night, Brian. My gravitas failed me. Like Annabelle's shoot. That was Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Follow the podcast to get every episode. Our website is qmpodcast.com. Our email is contact at qmpodcast.com. 